Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She is a certified financial planner on a mission to help a million people elevate their financial consciousness consciousness by raising their true value. She's a money coach, business consultant, spiritual teacher. Uh, She has a podcast called The Art of Abundance, and she has a book coming out next year, which is called The Mindful Millionaire, Overcome Scarcity, Experience True Prosperity, and Create the Life You Really Want. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Lisa. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Just give us a brief history of your path to getting to where you are today. As you mentioned, I'm a certified financial planner, and I came to that after working in financial services for over 20, almost 25 years. So about five and a half years ago, I left my role as a financial advisor and decided to go out and start doing what you mentioned before, which is teach people about their relationship with money. Um, I have a long history of being fascinated by a person's relationship with money because I came from nothing. My parents really struggled financially growing up and I sort of made money my God from a young age and ended up getting my MBA, working in finance and along the way, because I worked so closely with so many people and their experiences with money, I started noticing that there were some things that nobody was talking about that I really wanted to talk about. So that's what brought me here. Right. Well, I guess a lot of what you're talking about is unconscious beliefs and lives are kind of managed by that. Explain what you mean by that. And what are some of the unconscious beliefs that manage that kind of rule the way people deal with money? Yeah, there's a long list of them. And, you know, I work with people now, but the roots of all of this were my own beliefs about money. And just like I said, early on, I decided that money would be the savior, sort of take me out of the cycle that my parents had had a lot of stress around, which was never having enough and always stressed about paying their bills. And so I decided if I had a lot of money, then all my problems would go away. So that's a good example of an unconscious belief. I didn't really know that's how I was thinking. I just led my life from that way of kind of, it was a decision I made young and didn't realize for many years until I started doing this work that a lot of my decisions were happening as a result of these unconscious ways of thinking about money. And the more I got into it, I started realizing that pretty much everyone has a long list of unconscious beliefs that dictate the decisions that they make. And because they're not being talked about very much, we don't totally understand what they are. And and I know you also share this, this interest in meditation and And I'd have to say that when I started meditating over 20 years ago, I realized that there were things going on, but I, I, you know, you just pay a lot more attention to witnessing your mind and witnessing the decisions you make. And, and so that's, that's kind of why I started paying a lot more attention to it. So are these unconscious beliefs from your upbringing or is it the nature of the person? I guess you say, is it kind of nature or nurture? Because you could have two kids uh, being brought up in the same household with very different beliefs about money. So how, what is nature? What's nurture? Yeah, I think that more more often it is the experiences that we have in 
in with money. So things that happen in our household, things that are happening economically speaking when we're really young, especially from zero to seven, a lot of our personality with money is formed by those that age. And so the reason that we can have different beliefs in our family is there is this piece of we have different ways of looking at the world that we're just born into is my impression. And, you know, two kids, my brother and I, perfect example. I decided that I wanted to have a lot of money. My brother, while he would have loved to have a lot of money, he wasn't uh, making the same decisions I was. And he's still to this day, you know, he's 48. He is always in the cycle that my parents were in, which was, you know, if you get it, then you spend it and it's gone before you know it. Savings isn't really something that factors into his life, whereas I became a self-made millionaire in my mid-30s. So we're a perfect example of raised in the same exact home and just having very different beliefs. For me, I decided I needed more of it and that was going to give me security. For my brother, it was more of a uh, instant gratification, whereas I was willing to delay gratification. So that is where the nur- the nature comes in, right? The nurture, we were both raised by the same people, but we just interpreted the situation different. He wasn't afraid of the scarcity like I was. Is it often a generational thing as well? I mean, you think of people who grew up in the depression, maybe our parents, who had scarcity all around them and survival and scrapping to, you know, just make it by. And then their children, the baby boomers after the war, pretty much had prosperity for their entire upbringing. Uh, So they have a different view. So is that part of it that there's a generational difference? Because you don't necessarily have to take on the personality of your parents. You as a baby boomer didn't grow up in the depression, didn't have that experience. You had prosperity for the most part. Is, Is that part of these unconscious beliefs as well? Definitely. I think that the economic situation is a factor. But what I've also seen in working with people is sometimes you'll have parents or even grandparents that were really involved in your life and they were depression babies, for example. My grandmother was one. And their influence was so strong in your life that they passed their beliefs on to the people that they raised. So there are situations where that occurs, and then there will be the exact opposite, which is kind of what I was hearing you say, where there was so much resentment to the deprivation and to the frugality that the behavior would be the exact opposite by a child or a grandchild. Does that make sense? I mean, in general, that's what the baby boomers did. They've always been lavished and spent and spent whatever they want because when they were growing up in the 50s and 60s and 70s, for the most part, it was a lot of prosperity, the exact opposite of what their parents would have experienced in the Depression and during the war. Yeah, and it, it literally can be from one person to the next, from one you know sibling to the next, where one takes on the behaviors of the parent and the other is the exact opposite. Yeah, so is this kind of an evolution Was it kind of a human weakness that you're controlled by these unconscious beliefs? I don't think of it as a weakness. I think that there are so many factors playing in that it is, like you said, more of an evolution of consciousness. Like we are ready to learn more about this relationship with money, kind of similar to what we I think are doing in our relationships with other people, you know, there's 
a great deal of interest of what something causes us a great deal of stress. And as we tune into that stress, we inevitably want to find the, you know, the healing that's available to us so that we don't have to live this way for our rest, the rest of our lives. So how can we identify if these unconscious beliefs we've been talking about are sabotaging our ability to lead prosperous lives? So, like I said, it's pretty complicated because there's a lot of factors going on. What I did after I left my financial advising role is I started working with people and diving into the stories underneath. So getting going into people's stories about money, understanding what happened in the past and why might the choices that someone's making today be related to the things that they were exposed to when they were young. Because I will also add there's a lot of guilt and shame when one day we wake up and if our financial situation isn't where we want it to be, we tend to blame ourselves and kind of think, well, well, why didn't I get my stuff together as opposed to, you know, my friends who seem to have everything going well. And so what I found is that it helps a lot to go backwards before we go forwards in understanding kind of how did I get to where I am? What beliefs have I taken on from my parents? What beliefs have I adopted for some other reason? And how has it affected the overall identity of who I am and how I see myself and also how I'm showing up in the world? And Going through that process is so enlightening, and I'll give you a story. When I was still a financial advisor, I knew that this stuff was going on. I'm very empathetic. I'm very in tune with people. And I remember when I switched from being a mortgage banker to a financial advisor, and people would come into my office and sit down to have important conversations, right, about their retirement and about planning for their future. And the minute their butt would hit the seat, I would notice that they energetically sort of didn't run, didn't want to be there. Uh, they they kind of disconnected, especially people I knew outside of my office. And then I saw them in this in this conversation. And after it happened many times I started asking my clients kind of offline. I did it. I didn't tell like (laughs) the company I was working for that I was having these conversations because it seemed kind of weird. But I was like, would you mind talking to me about your relationship with money and like what happened when you were growing up? And people were like, sure, that's kind of weird. But okay, so we'd sit down and sometimes these conversations would be an hour. Sometimes they would be like eight hours. I'm not kidding you because the stories were so deep. And people would be like, I've never heard, I've never told anyone this before. I didn't, I'd never noticed that this is the way I'm living. And what happened was after these conversations within three, you know, anywhere from a month to three months out, the people I had asked these questions to started making huge changes in their life. And I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was like, oh my gosh, that person just filed for divorce. Oh oh my gosh, that person just quit their job. Oh my gosh, they just started a business. And I was just witnessing all these changes happen in people's lives just by being asked these questions about their relationship with money. And I knew I was onto something that was really transformative, but I didn't totally even know what I was doing. So that's kind of why I... I knew there was a lot going on under the surface. And until somebody held the space for these conversations to be asked, people literally led their lives kind of in denial of the things that they really wanted to do, but they were too afraid to do it. Interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this hour is Lisa Peterson. She is a certified financial planner on a mission to help a million people elevate their financial consciousness by realizing their true value, 
She's a money coach, business consultant, spiritual teacher. Uh, she hosts the Art of Abundance podcast and also does workshops on the world. Uh, her latest book is going to be coming out next year. It's called The Mindful Millionaire, Overcome Scarcity, Experience True Prosperity, and Create the Life You Really Want. And you can find out more about her at her website, wealthclinic.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Your leadership journey must be a continuous process of education and improvement. If you think you've learned all you need to know, think again. Find out the latest from contemporary authors on topics from character to values and everything in between. Discover insights into servant leader fundamentals along with your host, Tom Crea. Tune into Your Evolving Leadership Journey, Mondays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She's a certified financial planner who helps people elevate their financial consciousness by realizing their true value. Uh, she has a podcast called The Art of Abundance. She does workshops and retreats. She has a new book coming out next year called The Mindful Millionaire, Overcome Scarcity, Experience True Prosperity, and Create the Life You Want. And her website is wealthclinic.com. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Jordan. Tell us a little bit about wealthclinic.com. What can people find there? So 
what I decided to do when I started my company was figure out how to provide as much information as possible about this relationship with money. And so I started blogging and now there's probably hundreds of articles and I started the podcast. And so both of those are available at the website. The other thing is a quiz that people can access right from the homepage that introduces a person to the model that I've I've realized helps people a lot when they want to dive into their relationship with money. And that is a quiz that asks you questions about things that are going on uh, around debt, around savings, around investing, around being able to speak your truth with your advisors. And the quiz shows people which chakra they are out of balance with, which I know you had uh, Tasha Silver not too long ago on your podcast. and. You may have talked about chakras. Uh, It's pretty funny. I laugh because never in a million years when I was getting my MBA or working in my financial career did I think that I'd be talking about chakras and money. But that's what I do on the website. Very good. Um, So you're obviously a spiritual person. Is there kind of confusion about money not being spiritual? Spiritual and money tend not to be said in the same sentence. But is that a, a wrong way to look at it? I think there is a lot of confusion. I think that we're coming out of it, but there's been many years where it was thought that money is completely separate than your uh, your experiences with spirit. And what I discovered was that the more we can dive inside and understand our relationship with ourselves, also our relationship with God or Buddha or whatever you know deity you may relate to, the more understanding we bring into our experiences with money. So I found that the more we embody those teachings with our money, the better our lives are. So you talk a lot about presence or you also call it vibration. Tell me exactly what you mean by vibration and presence and how does that relate to the way people can relate to money? Well, I start with this idea of unconditional love, which to me is the epitome of where spiritual teachings are taking us. This place where we can see the innocence of the consciousness of being human and we look for the love and the opportunity for love and everything. And so presence and vibration or these other words that we can use to describe what how are we showing up in the world? Are we showing up in an energy field of love or are we showing up in an energy field of greed, for example, or, uh, or just the ego running our lives or our unconscious patterns running our lives? And, you know, rather than, than feeling like we are seeing the being compassionate about ourselves first and that feeling of compassion allows us to also feel compassion for the world outside of us and we show up living that way and breathing that way and people when they interact with us they experience that that sense of acceptance it seems so difficult for people who think of money in terms of greed i mean you think of the stock market or traders i mean they're all about money they're not about presence or vibration or anything spiritual at all uh, and yet you have to make a living, you have to enjoy your life and provide for yourself. How do you kind of reconcile the, the normal way people think about money, which is about grasping, I guess you'd say, uh, versus the more spiritual vibration you're talking about? 
Yeah, it's a day by day journey, isn't it? I'm sure you know you're doing the same thing. For those of us who it's important to find the balance, I like to think of it like an infinity symbol where we're moving back and forth between the practical, the yin and the yang, kind of this dance of making things happen and letting things happen. I mean, that's how it shows up for me is it's not like I'm all one way or all the other way. It's how can I move back and forth throughout my life? Sometimes I'm going to be more in this receiving and, you know, love and, and just, you know, benefiting humanity in my actions. And other days I'm like, yeah, I need to get some stuff done and I need to make sure that I'm charging appropriately for my workshops. And I don't feel like they have to be different, but I do notice that just the way we're designed, you know, and I think it will change over time as we as we step into this way of being. But for me, it's like a dance back and forth between the two states. Are there some cultures around the world that do it better? I don't think of the United States as being particularly spiritual in its views of money. I mean, is India better at it or Japan or are there other places where there is a better balance between the spirituality and the practicality of money? That is such a great question. You know, I have a lot of people from India come and study with me, and they beg me to come teach there because that is not a place where they think it's being integrated. They feel like it's very it's very different, where there is a lot of greed and a lot of scarcity on one hand, and then there's the spiritual teachings, but the blend of the two, not so much. I recently had Ken Honda on my podcast, and he's from Japan, and some of the things he, t- he teaches about were really powerful because I could see this interest of leaning forward, but also I know they also struggle. I don't know that there's any one place where the balance is there. I think that you see more extremes, like you look at the Tibetan culture or you look at certain cultures where there's a lot more emphasis on the spiritual and less on the material and then vice versa. What we have, you know, in America where there's a lot more on the, on the material and less on the practical. And for that reason, I find myself leaning a bit more to the spiritual because there's so many unanswered questions for people in the West to understand how to do this. And it's not like I have all the answers. It's just I'm focused a lot on figuring out how can we do this in our businesses? How can we do this as we build wealth for ourselves? And how can we also lean forward in wanting to make the world a better place? You know, one example would be as we become more awakened in our consciousness, I think we do pay a lot of attention to the environment. And like, we may make choices where we don't want to invest in a company that we would not be buying personally, right? Like we we really pay attention to those sorts of choices. Yeah. So maybe not cultures, but are there some people uh, that you doing it right, have a good balance between the spiritual I mean, you think of the Dalai Lama or Mother Teresa, you don't, you don't think about money, you think about their spirituality, but are there some people in addition to you that have got the balance right uh, between spirituality and still thriving financially? You know, it's funny, not any one person comes to mind. I know that there are a lot of people trying to figure it out. And I think the online business world, which I am a part of, I see a lot of people having these conversations, asking the questions and trying to figure out how to do it. But I don't think that there's one, you know, or a whole bunch of people who I would say have totally figured it out. 
Are there some daily exercises you'd recommend uh, to help people add to their life uh, that would give them a sense of spirituality and still be prosperous? Yeah, I mean, we talked about meditation earlier. I think meditation is the most transformative tool. It's free. It's available to everyone. I think that when we have a meditation, a daily meditation practice, it can transform our lives in many ways. I think if we don't already have meditation as part of our daily practice, then then I would look to see, you know, what's interesting to you. Can you take some time, even five minutes a day of going within and better understanding how you feel, how you think is, is a great first step. Adding to that would also be somatic practices of like noticing how you feel when you pay bills, noticing how you feel when you open up your online, you know, trading account, like noticing how you feel is a really great step too, because our feelings show us what we avoid and also what we pay great attention to and just you know, diving into that, asking questions about, hey, I notice I feel really uncomfortable whenever I look at my, you know, investment accounts, for example. And it it's great because awareness is the first start, the first step of, of this whole entire journey is just paying attention. So could just give me an example of when you meditated and something came up that when you came out of meditation, you had a different view and you acted in a different way than you would have had you not meditated. Yeah. Well, in the meditations I teach, which is what I do now every single day, and it takes people through a seven-step process that are tied to the chakras, but the root chakra is the one that most people identify around money, mostly. And so when I go in and I focus on the root chakra, I started to understand that I inherited or adopted a belief system from my mother that every that I was a few bad moves away from destitute poverty no matter how much money I had and the meditation allowed me to notice that I had that belief system by just focusing on you know do I feel safe and when I asked that question I was really honest with myself I was like you know I didn't I didn't feel safe. I, in fact, I was using money to try and make me feel safer. It turns out about 50% of women in North America have a very similar belief system about what I'm describing. And so on the other side of that, through the realization, you know, for me, it led to me creating these meditations that I that I bring to people now. But it also led me to understand what it was that I needed in my life, both uh, financially as well as energetically to to be able to feel good and feel safe about my environment. Some of it came from the external world. Some of it came from my internal world. And that's what I got through meditation. I did a book called Master Your Money Type. And in there, I talk about the bag lady syndrome, which is a lot of women think they make one wrong financial move and they'll be on the streets. That's kind of what you were talking about there to some extent. Yes. Yes. So you're talking about meditation. You also say yoga can be helpful. How can that help you be more prosperous and get your consciousness right? Yeah, yoga is amazing because, first of all, I mean, yoga was to prepare us for meditation, so prepare the body. But what I've also learned and and different types of yoga teach different breath techniques that awaken, you know, what's called kundalini energy. But yoga 
the more we pay attention to our body and what's going on inside of our body, the more we're able to understand ourselves and also understand the fear-based patterns that we're living in. So without any doubt in my mind, fear shows up not only in the form of anxiety and stress, but it also shows up in the form of dis-ease. And the body may have aches and pains. It may have illness. It may have a lot of things. And what I've found is the more in tune I am with the body and the aches and pains or whatever's going on, they all have stories for me. So for many years, I had sciatica. It's interesting because where I had the sciatica, as I learned about yoga, I started to realize that um, sciatica was like a pain in the butt. And I was like, you know, this is actually me holding on to some of my relationship with my mother. And I don't even know how I came to that realization. But the more yoga I did, the more it alleviated and the stress and the pain went away. So it's just amazing. Like, I feel like there's a lot that we don't totally understand. I just know that the more I bring yoga and meditation together, the more I let go. And my I've never been healthier. I've never felt better in my life at 53, which is pretty awesome, you know, to be able to say that. But it's because of the combination of those two things, I think. Great. We're going to take another break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She's a certified financial planner. She also is a money coach, business consultant, spiritual leader. Her podcast is called The Art of Abundance, and her website's called wealthclinic.com. And her new book coming out next year is The Mindful Millionaire, Overcome Scarcity, Experience True Prosperity, and Create the Life You Really Want. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She's a certified financial planner. Her podcast is called The Art of Abundance. Uh, Her new book is called The Mindful Millionaire, uh, and that's going to be coming out next year. Her website, wealthclinic.com. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Jordan. One thing you're talking about a lot is the gender pay gap, that women feel unappreciated and and paid less. What happens when you kind of think about that and, and the impact that has on men and women? Well, I studied this a lot because I worked in the corporate world for many years, and I actually had a situation where my boss at a large bank, uh, her temporary assistant accidentally, accidentally printed out all the salaries in our whole entire department. And I didn't realize that it got mixed in with my paperwork. And I brought it home um, on BART one day and was going through my papers and realized that I had the salaries for everybody. So this was a woman manager. And it turned out that the men in the team were making 25 to 30% on average than the women in the team. And it was a pretty pivotal moment for me. That was back in like 2000. And you know, I, I just really understood that it was alive and well, this, no matter where you are, you know, no matter how hard you work, there was this difference. But as I got into this work later in life, I really, the big thing that I've learned is that men and women do have a lot of different behaviors around money, particularly when it comes to asking for what they want. And kind of demanding it, if not. <laughs> and once I saw that piece of paper, interesting enough, it changed my whole entire way of showing up at work and asking for what I want. And before you knew it, I was being paid just the same as my male peers. But it was this stepping into it and asking for what I want. And I notice in the work that I do now, and I work with a lot of women, women have to be pushed to ask for what they really want many times, like on the average, I should say. And so a lot of a lot of attention is paid to, you know, why is it so hard for us to ask ultimately for what we want? I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's what well, came up. Why is that? Is it the upbringing or why is it that it's hard for them to ask? I think that we take into consideration everybody's opinion of things. We pay a lot of attention to like um, the feeling of like uh, wanting things to be fair. There's a bit of fairness conversation that comes up a lot. We pay attention to it. I don't know all the reasons why, but I notice that. And I think that there's cultural training around uh, women caring about situations without realizing, again, this is back to these unbelief, unconscious belief systems. We don't realize what we don't know. And so we're living our lives without realizing that we're just not asking for what we want because we've been maybe modeled by a society where women weren't asking for what they wanted for many years, by maybe parents who weren't asking for what they wanted. I mean, my mom was self-employed. She was a, she cut hair. And I remember it was like a huge monumental occasion when she would raise her rates and it was painful for her. And so the modeling for me was it's painful to ask for what you want. And, you know, I'm guessing that happens in lots of different ways and lots of different 
different homes. And it's also reinforced in the TV shows that we've watched in the past and a lot of different forms where the women had different behaviors than the men. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your Art of Abundance podcast. What kind of people do you have on it? What is the purpose of that? The purpose of the show has always been about bridging the spiritual with the financial. And so, just like I said before, there's kind of a dance back and forth between these two areas. And then I'm looking for the intersection with a lot of my speakers. I'm curious about how do they see something like abundance? How has it shown up in their lives? And then also very practical to, you know, how can we be more effective in our businesses? How can we price better? How can we be more effective? coaches. I mean, I cover a lot of ground and I will be honest, when I started it, it was just like, I, I think I was just excited to meet very interesting people and have conversations. And it's evolved into something that is just beyond my wildest imagination of of probably you can relate to this. You just learn so much from the people that you get to talk to. And now I've got, I guess, almost 250 episodes. And the conversations, what I've heard back from the listeners is that you have a point of view that is unlike anyone that I've ever <laughs> listened to. And it's this blend that has a very unique perspective because I have such a deep spiritual practice and such a deep understanding of finance. The bridge between those two is quite unique. Great. So in your new book, The Mindful Millionaire, um, you have what you call the I Prosper process. Describe what that is, and then we're going to go into some detail about what that process is. The process is really one of behavior change. What I wanted to do was I wanted to help people who had a pattern of living in scarcity or lack and limitation for their own you know, selves and business and their personal life. I wanted to help them learn a process that would take them through what I call three stages. One is the scarcity and limitation. The middle ground is kind of like getting by, like it's okay, it's, it's enough to the other side which would be what I call mindful millionaire. And, and it isn't about just money. It isn't about having a million dollars net worth necessarily, but it's this idea of feeling like a million dollars so that you can feel like you're the creator of your life. And so I prosper is an eight step process of behavior change that I walk people through in the book and also in the workshops that I teach. Before I get into the details, just maybe give me an example of somebody who went through the eight steps and how did it transform them? So many people have gone through it. It's cool because it's broad enough that it meets you wherever you are. One example would be a client who was running at the time a, a seven-figure business with her husband and going through the process revealed to her the fact that even though they were making really good money, they were not saving any of it. And in the course of going through the the kind of steps, there was a realization that this behavior is not what I thought it was originally, which is there's not enough money to save. It's literally because I am living my out of fear. And, and what had happened is for this woman, her mom had been like we were talking about before, someone who was living in extreme deprivation. So saving for her became a weapon kind of in part of of my client's experiences where deprivation of not having enough food, not having clothing to that that was important to her, like 
hard to even imagine how much she dealt with this growing up. But what happened was she created an unconscious belief that saving was painful, that she didn't want to be like her mom. I mean, she just remembered pain and suffering growing up. And so she wasn't saving because of this experience. In the course of going through it, she realized that that was a story that she was just living, that she was ready to drop away. And as she stepped into understanding financial planning and how she could make small steps to ultimately get where she wanted to be, she was able to pay off debt first. And then the next thing that happened was they had, her and her husband wanted to buy a house and they saved up enough of down payment to buy a house that I think was like $600,000 in less than a year. And now they're saving, I mean, more than they ever dreamt possible. But also as she went through the process, she realized that the business wasn't as efficient as it could be. So they made some big changes in the way they were running the inventory of their business and ultimately started even saving more money. So it was all because of this one way of being, right, as a result of childhood, that once it broke down, she was able to start doing amazing things. And I know I just saw a picture. They were like spending the Thanksgiving holiday in Mexico. You know, it, it's so exciting to watch people go through these huge transformations and be able to save money and invest money when none of it was possible. Excellent. So you have what you call 19 rules of the road. I'm not sure we're going to get through all of them, but let's start with the first one. Uh, which is that circumstances may come up that prevent you from doing your practices. What should you do about that? Right. So the whole idea of this was uh, when you're beginning on this journey of the I prosper process, what can you do to help yourself? And so life happens, right? Number one is about life happens just because you don't meditate or don't journal or don't do the exercises every single day doesn't mean you've fallen off. So how can you, you know, be compassionate to yourself, set a really strong intention and return again and again to your cushion, to your practice and not let that slide because consistency is everything. The second rule of the road is not to judge yourself. How, How does that get in the way? Yeah, before I wrote The Mindful Millionaire, I spent a year actually writing a book that never came out that was all about breaking free of judgment. And what I found is most of the time, people have a really hard time changing their behavior with money because they're so busy judging their past and their um, experiences today that they can't get out of their own way. So the more, the less you judge, the more you're actually going to change. Your third uh, rule is to uh, give of yourself more and others in an unconditional love way How does that make things easier? So it all starts with how we are treating ourselves. And the more we can step into this feeling of of accepting ourselves where we're at without judgment, but also adding in this experience of love and acceptance, the easier it is to remain steadfast on your journey. Then your fourth one is uh, sometimes all you can do is surrender. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so this is that idea of let go and let God. And I mentioned earlier, there's a time to make things happen and there's a time to let things happen. And so being able to notice the difference uh, allows us to trust that sometimes we just need to sit back and um, not be pushing <laughs> all the time. Then you talk about the impact of caffeine. What? How should you counteract the impact of caffeine? Yeah, this is very interesting. So as a 20-year meditator, I have really paid great attention to the fact that 
caffeine causes us to ramp up our left brain activity and it decreases our relaxation and actually our creativity. And so when we're doing, we're, we're getting our cup of coffee before we go meditate, it is actually going to change the impact of the meditation. So meaning we will not be as um, Zen, if you will, (laughs) we won't be as relaxed and we might not be as creative as we could be when we wait and we meditate and then we have the caffeine. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. She's a certified financial planner, uh, also helping people elevate their financial consciousness. Her podcast, as we spoke about, is called The Art of Abundance. She does workshops and retreats. Uh, She's got a new book coming out called The Mindful Millionaire. Overcome scarcity, experience true prosperity, and create the life you really want. And you can find out more at her website, wealthclinic.com. Dot com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lisa Peterson. Uh, She has a podcast called The Art of Abundance. Uh, Her website is called wealthclinic.com. And she's got a book coming out next year called The Mindful Millionaire. Welcome back to the show, Lisa. Thank you, Jordan. So we're going through the 19 rules of the road. Uh, the sixth one is about breath work. How does that impact your financial, the way you look at your finances? So it's all about what come, what you're putting in your body. So breath, it's also about water, it's about your eating habits, that all of those things factor how you're going to be showing up in your well-being. And how about medications uh, that might cause drowsiness? What should you do about those? Yeah, I mean, we live in a society where there is a lot of dependency for, you know, on alcohol and now marijuana. And my point is, is that if you're going to be doing a lot of transformational work, you want to pay attention to those things because they don't always, they're not helping you with the authenticity and the awareness. And then you say you can only do this for yourself not because somebody wanted you to do it. Is that a kind of a guilt trip that people have about doing it, but I don't really want to? Yeah, sometimes people tell us, those closest to us, you need to do this, and or a coach tells you, but you got to do it for yourself, period. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
you, you might find that people are acting differently towards you during process. How are you supposed to handle that if, say, they're not meditating and they're not spiritual? Yeah, I've been married for a long time, so this one's <laughs> one that I know very well. It's it's all about accepting the fact that when we change, people aren't always ready for our changes, and so they may they may be different to us as we're going through this process, and that's okay. What happens when resistance comes up, and how do you handle that? Yeah, there's a whole chapter about resistance and the book, and it's about being present to your resistance. I love Stephen Pressfield's work, but the more that we can understand that resistance is a part of life, the less it bothers us. So don't avoid how you feel. Just pay attention and keep moving forward. Then you have a very optimistic view is that everything happening is in your favor and best interest. It doesn't often seem that way to people, but how does that attitude of, uh, impact the uh, your views toward money? <laughs> A lot of the process is about moving out of the idea that the world is happening to you and stepping into this creator role. So if you don't believe that things are happening in your favor and in your best interest, then you spend a lot of time trying to figure out why. And I've just found that it's better if you start with the a positive slate. It helps you a lot in the process of moving forward. Not easy, but important. And then you say you should think of yourself as perfect just the way you are, that you don't need to be fixed or adjust, adjusted in any way. Uh, that, that must be hard for people to do as well. Yeah, I mean, we're all on a journey of understanding this. And I think changing our behavior doesn't mean that we ourselves is bad. It's like something that we're doing isn't helping us. And being able to separate those two things from each other helps a lot. What happens when you feel distracted or confused from practices? So I notice this all the time because what I'm doing is taking people on a journey to unexplored territories. And I like to teach people that it's okay to be a bit confused and bewildered and that getting comfortable with that is a part of life. So then you, how, how is your view of the past different when you've transformed what's going on currently? Mm. So, you know, the idea of moving into flow is what the ideal state many of us aspire to. And that's what this process is teaching people to find their own flow. And so as you do that, the more you can pay attention to the fact that you're not, it's not a race, it's not a competition, it's not about anything but staying in your own lane and, and just moving forward, it becomes a lot more joyful for the path at least. So you say one of the impacts of this often is that you speak up in situations where you might not have done so in the past. Where is that coming from? Yeah, like I said, I do work with a lot of women. I also work with men, but men, uh, again, I think women are learning to find their voice in new ways to speak up. And the more you, what I like to do is create very safe space for people to speak up uh, because they might not be able to do that with their family or even their friends or even at work. But if you can find one place where you can speak up and know that you're not going to be judged, it's going to allow you to test the waters and become more comfortable of your own ability and worthiness to do that everywhere. Do you say to expect that your financial situation is going to change when you go through this process? It could be better, it could be worse, but how do you get ready for that change and you don't know what it's going to be? 
Yeah, I think that this is the hardest part. And I I think in the beginning, I wanted everybody just to have unlimited abundance, no matter what, right? And what I've noticed is sometimes things have to fall apart and drop away before we can create the things that we really want in life. And so our financial status may change as we look inside. We may make different decisions about what's important to us. And for at least for myself, you know, this is like it's it's like a roller coaster. It's been up and down, but I know that I'm headed in the right direction and the changes are significant. And I think that's what I encourage people, you know, to keep the long view rather than the short-term view. And then you say that they're going to be unexplainable synchronicities, uh, meetings with people and so on that may, may happen. How does that come and, and what should you do when something like that shows up? I'd say this is kind of like the magic of the process where people you haven't talked to in 30 years all of a sudden appear and want to have a conversation, right? Or you're thinking about somebody and and they, they call you and you have this conversation that ties into what you're learning about yourself. I think that you, back to seeing the universe as supporting you, that there's actually a lot more support out there than we realize. And when you open yourself to it, it appears. And and it's literally like riding a surfboard. Um, it's exciting. It's interesting. And you may also fall off, and that's okay. You say it's often difficult to explain what's going on with you to others. How do you handle that? Are you, you're, you're probably wanting to share this, but if you get rejected, it may not be easy. Yeah. I remember when I first started my spiritual journey, my teacher told me after I was coming back from a two- or three-week long retreat, that it would be much better if I didn't talk about it with my husband. And it turned out to be the best advice ever because, you know, he didn't understand what had happened. And it was very easy to, um, for me to try to explain, but the best way that he was going to understand what happened to me was by my actions, not by what I was, but I, why I was, you know, what I was trying to tell him. And so I think, it's more in our actions than it is about us trying to teach people, especially early on. And then your 19th rule is to complete the process. Do you find some people drop out along the way? Yeah. Procrastination is a human trait that a lot of us, you know, never know when it's going to strike, but when we're doing deep work and we're changing our lives for the better and creating greater prosperity for ourselves, there are going to be times when we feel like we just want to stop. And I encourage people to go through and stick with it because it's not going to be the first or the last you know, time. It's not, it's not the last time that you're going to probably do it. So just try and complete the process and then come back to it again when you're ready. So in summing all this up, what kind of difference would it make in people's lives if they follow your advice and go through the process you're talking about, uh, as opposed to not doing something like that? Well, the journey is not just about the money, but I have seen plenty of evidence that it helps people with their financial well-being. To me, what I have witnessed again and again is the strengthening of understanding of self in this really beautiful way allows you to respect, appreciate, have more confidence in who you are, your true value, and then bring that into your relationships, your closest relationships, your your relationship with yourself, as well as your relationship with money. And so what that that's the kind of thing is it's like 
you know, I won't say that you're going to live in joy every single day, but there's a greater understanding of what it truly means to live in joy and prosperity. And even if there's bumps in the roads with your finances, because you realize that there is this story that you've broken free of from your past and you're able to reinvent your future on a daily basis, there's just incredible confidence that comes with that. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Lisa Peterson. Uh, she is a spiritual teacher. Uh, her website is called wealthclinic.com. You can listen to her podcast called The Art of Abundance. And when it comes out next year, read her new book called The Mindful Millionaire. Thanks so much for being on The Money Answer Show, Lisa. Thank you, Jordan. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks so much. And we'll be back next week with another dish of the show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.